you're listening to The Chartographers. Everybody, you are listening to The Chartographers. Uh, it is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people where we take every single album by a particular artist and we rank it worst to best and forget the rest. You don't need to know about the rest. It's trash. It's garbage. Why would we even talk about it? But hey, listen, we are here because we are in the middle of our second season. It's an exciting and wonderful time. And listen, we've already done Michael Jackson. We've already done the only artist arguably more popular than Michael Jackson, Weird Al Yankovic. And now we're going to take it <laughs> one step further. We're going to talk, talk about the most charismatic Cylons that you've ever known, the click and clack of electronic dance music. That's right, guys. Daft Punk. <laughs> woo! Woo! Or uh, Mr. Manuel de Hominem Cristo, if you're nasty. All right, so Daft Punk. Uh, they are uh, they're a French uh, electropop duo that really hates the press, regularly hates doing interviews, and hide their faces behind robot masks. Uh, but throughout the years, they have gone and done brilliant and amazing things with dance music. They helped pioneer what is known as Big Beat, as it's known in the States, kind of taking this rough, almost like more rock-oriented dance sound, and then they've gone ahead and turned it into synth pop, and they've turned it into movie scores, and into a Grammy-winning album of the year in the form of Random Access Memories, which is not just the past, well, maybe looking forward to the future. I don't know. But guess what? We're going to do it. We are going to rank it. That is what we do. Oh, and I can't wait to get into it. And why can't I wait to get into it? Because you can't believe the people that we have here at the decks. Oh, my God. First off, it is me, Evan Soddy. You might know me as an editor of Pop Matters. You probably know me as the host of this podcast. And if you know me as the host of this podcast, you know the next person, Thomas Bangletter himself, Taryn O'Reilly. He is right here. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. I'm so pumped to talk well, about Well, you're, pumped, you're especially pumped because, not to spoil anything, but Daft Punk do have one of your favorite, favorite albums of all time. Like, top and 10 albums just, of all time, right. Yeah, and I, I've been a fan of them for over, like, over a decade. So, like, they were one of the first bands that I, like, truly got into. So, that's this, I'm so excited to be here. Right. And the great thing is that, well, we did our research week going into it, and that was, it provided a lot of revelations, but there's no bigger... It totally re- changed my opinion about right. a lot of things. Oh my god, yeah. but there's no bigger revelation than the fact that we have an amazing guest. Uh, you might have known him in Greece as uh, DJ Koza. He was a wonderful and well-respected and glorious DJ there, but right now he's come all the way to our studio. Uh, hey, here comes the very honest. He's right here in the studio. Hi! How's Hi. it going? Well, for one thing, you butchered that quite well. <laughs> it was one of the things I had it we, before we got on mic. I had it down so well in my mind, and then in the moment, blew it. Just you totally added, blew you it. You added at least one extra F. <laughs> yeah. And maybe an I, and I think a smiley face in there somewhere. But aside from that, it was okay. How are you doing, Constantine? I'm well. I know. Thank I sh- you for having me, man. Yeah. Oh, I mean, when it came to, I mean, we, you and I, before this, we've had, the three of us, a lot of discussions about dance music. Yeah. Uh, we've, we talked about some, like, nitty-gritty, obscure stuff as well, so we knew you were the guy to bring in for this, but... I'm excited on this because it's weird for all the times, all the artists that we've done. We've done Prince, we've done the Beatles, we've done so many different people, we've ranked their discographies, and this is the one with the fewest albums that we've done so far. Yeah. The only one that's even comes close is uh, Beyonce. She had six albums at the time that we taped uh, that premiere episode. Uh, and here we're dealing with five, but at the same time, I'm not that worried. Uh, there's so much to say. <sighs> there's so much, there's so much like cultural impact and... Uh, the albums are all pretty long, yeah. so like, yeah, there's. I'm not concerned at all. Right. Oh, go ahead. You're... Super productions. Super yeah. <laughs> productions, to say the least. I mean, come on. From electronic music 
you know, you can only do a certain amount, and they just went well beyond that. And it's not, it's not even the fact that of, of what they did. It's also when they did it, too. Yeah, because absolutely. the thing is that you hear a lot of stuff now that is directly reflective of what they did yeah. uh, at, at the time. Like, they, they were actually kind of trendsetters on the way. Only recently, commercially, have they come into light because they've also helped out lots of rappers and R&B singers with other hits on top of it. Like, it's actually crazy but here's what we're gonna do let's talk about the main albums we're gonna talk about we have five albums we're considering here we're talking about their gritty four on the floor debut homework from 1997 they're much more streamlined synth poppy discovery from 2001 their interesting kind of minimalist experiment that is human after all from 2005 uh the movie score that they spent multiple years on for tron legacy from 2010 and their big big mega star comeback in the form of random access memories 2013 now with every single one of these there are qualifiers and let's just talk about one right off the bat the fact that we even fucking have tron legacy on there because yeah. I think some people would argue that that is not an album, technically, in in the sense. Like, it is a Daft Punk album. They did work on the music. Right. But it's not like a traditional four-on-the-floor dance pop songs kind of thing, aside from maybe Derez, the lead single. Yeah, well, I think there's a couple other things on there, too, that definitely oh, are in the same vein as what you expect from them. But they also... it. I think that it is such an a vital step to what they ended up doing on Random Access Memories that mm -hmm. I think it's, yeah, it's important to consider it. Yeah. Refined sound, I would say, absolutely. Um, not my personal favorite <laughs> album. <laughs> right, we'll get, it, we'll get into that in a moment. Right, exactly. Uh, and then, of course, the other question is they have a lot of remix albums. They have a lot of remix albums. We're not going to mm -hmm. talk about that. But the other question, though, and I think it's kind of in the vein of a remix album, but I do think we should at least talk about it, of course, is Alive 97 and Alive 2007. Because a Daft Punk live show, well, it's different than any other live show that you've been to. A, the pyramid. Let's just talk about that. It glows, it dances, it moves, it does incredible things. Yeah, they were one of the first people with a real, like, LED light show in that sense. Yeah, like, like, every DJ nowadays does it. You know, if you saw Marshmallow or whatever the fuck his name is these days. Like, he's got some... <laughs> like, they had, like, obviously Stupid. DJs always had, like, flashing yeah. lights, but they had the full... Like, it was like, a presentation. Yeah. It was yeah. a full artistic thing. Absolutely. But their live shows were interesting, too. And actually, with Constantine, before we even started recording this, he was talking about, like, are we considering considering these because their live albums it's like you remember how like girl talk when that was a thing for a while when like this guy he like mixed songs together they kind of do that in their own shows but they always want different configurations of their own songs yeah they pair them together in weird and different and specific ways it's always fascinating like i definitely alive 2007 came out like a couple years after i got really into them and that totally changed how i felt about human after all especially like, I feel like they, they, their productions become even more visceral in the live setting. Like, especially with the crowd noise. Like, it really, it gets you even more hype than their albums do sometimes. Yeah. Well, I know that we shouldn't <laughs> be talking about this album too much, but it's definitely one of my favorite albums. 2007 um, or 97? 2007. Yeah. yeah. Um, in my opinion, it, you know, just like, you know, obviously it's an album that you're going to listen to whether you're driving at work or whether you're like listening to your headphones or like at home and whatnot. And it's just able to bring a realization of what electronic music can do and where you can expand it. So yeah. they were able to have just like, you know, their normal productions on their albums. And then like, it's okay, here we are. You know what our, what, what our music is. You know what our song tracks are. Let me tell you what more I can do with it. You know, every time I hear that album, it's just like, I, I, 
I just see myself on the stage, you know, 20,000 fucking people, yeah. hands up, you know, festive, and, you know, the energy that it's able to provide, it wakes me up. I just love it, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it also, I feel like it, it does a better job of, it's, it's like, it does a better job of capturing live music because they're not bringing in other hits, they're not bringing in stuff from the 70s, they're bringing in their own discography, and they're playing it against itself. You know, there's this clip that we saw the other day of them at the Pyramid, and it was this remix of uh, Technologic off of Human After All, uh, and it's like, you know, buy it, use it, click, and then at one point it just said, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, and it was just flashing, <laughs> and the crowd was just going nuts as they were just, like, toying with people. It was so great. But because it's songs that they've already done, uh, I, you know, it's not like the original source of it, I think we should be talking about the sources, a.k.a. Yeah. those five albums. Yeah. Cool. Alright, in that case, listen, guys, we... It, we're going to g- jump right into it. Homework, Discovery, Human After All, Tron Legacy, Random Access Memories. Five albums, five slots. We're going to fill it up. Number five. We're going to start over with our guest, Constantine. I just want to know, because I know we all have thoughts and opinions on it. Constantine, what is the worst Daft Punk album? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as far as like an album, album, album goes, yeah. we can't go ahead and say the Tron soundtrack is the worst but i'm obviously going to go ahead and say that that's the worst yeah um it's background music you know you're watching a movie it's able to fulfill what's going on in the background depending on the action scene or whatever the whatever the fuck is going on in the movie and they did a good job i mean besides on what the movie is other than that you know (laughs) the music is fair enough is it something that i can listen by myself at home is it something that i can bring friends over and you know throw a party with Absolutely not. So, but, I mean, it's not like, you know, your daily average human being can come together and, like, put sounds like that, you know? Yeah. So you gotta... for give sure, it some, yeah. You gotta give it respect, absolutely. Well, I have, I have two thoughts on it. One, well, first off, Taron had he, he really pushed for it, and I was like, I don't think we really need to. But he really pushed for it, like we should watch Tron Legacy before we do the podcast, uh, and we did, and it is a fucking it's garbage. a terrible movie. Oh, <laughs> oh cool, dude, I'm the sorry. Uh, <laughs> the is, my fa- my favorite line early on when the young <laughs> when the young Flynn he's just like he's visited by the head of the corporation. It's just like, yeah, you know what? You're the only one that still believes that my dad's alive. Most people think that he's either dead or chilling out in Costa Rica. He's probably both. Yeah. <laughs> it is the worst line I've ever heard. But the thing is that, like, and genuinely, Taron pointed aside from uh, Jeffrey just looking like having into the time of his goddamn life, just saying he a lot. does look like he's having a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, but like, legitimately, the score is the best aspect <laughs> yeah. of it. I'm not in the, it, it, for all the visuals and other shit like that, the score is better because the visuals were treated kind of poorly. Right, and, and not consistently. Obviously, there's some boring, you know, very, like, slow, wispy background stuff on there, but there's also, like... Evan disagrees with me a little bit on this, but I actually do really love to rest. I love that it's only a minute and 45 seconds. I love that it just gets in there, does its shit, and gets out, get out again. Mm-hmm. And, um... But then there's also, I mean, there's Arena. a couple of things on kind there. Kind of that little synth gurgle that and little I, bubble it brings up. I really love the the bass riff they came up with for Rinsler. Yeah. Like, and it was fun to see. I mean, again, it's not an incredible film, but that, like, fight sequence with that Right. Yeah. Like, At I the club like, where you were yeah, talking yeah. about, I was right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah you're nailing <laughs> They're nailing it. Yeah. It's weird, though, because, like, when I listen to it, uh, especially when the more score parts, less the, like, electronic parts, the score parts, because this came out in 2010, it would sound like very influenced by Hans Zimmer and oh, James Howard's Dark Knight score. Because the Dark Knight score just was pounding. <laughs> And then, you know, like all these, you know, violins kind of waving back. Like, it felt like very it inspired to the point where it didn't have the nuances of that score. It was just very much straight through. Yeah. 
Yeah, like that. I could I could hear in a couple places, and they and they spent two years working on this, um, which is weird. I don't. Well, I don't know. They yeah. spent a lot of time working on every. I mean, I'm aware made. of that, right? Um, but it's just it feels like definitely a couple times, especially with the string arrangements. It seems like we're like trying to make a soundtrack. Like it doesn't oh, always absolutely. feel as like inspired as it could. And that's where they need to get some, not some credit, that's where they need to get a lot of credit. I mean, here's like a duo that's known for like electronic music and like revitalizing it. And they were able to create a soundtrack and, you know, listen, when we were watching the movie, besides the fact that the movie is garbage, um, (laughs) besides that fact. Yeah, I mean, other than that, tell me that it wasn't like the, the music that you heard in the background wasn't like, oh, I'm hearing this. This is a piece of shit. No, no, no. Yeah. Sound no, no, that I'm no, hearing. Yeah, yeah, we're like, Absolutely and, and not. Apparently, they, apparently, in turn, even found out that I guess like the editors even like cut some of the scenes to the score. Right. Like it wasn't, which doesn't usually happen. Usually, the score usually works they, for what's right. already filmed. Usually, they edit the movie and then they write the f- score for that. Like the score is the last part added, but Daft Punk like provided the songs to. The movie makers, which I think is very interesting. I mean, it's not like you can go up to like one of the best duo in the world and be like, "Hey, by the way, gentlemen, I just want you to know that we're gonna have to cut out this part of the sound." Fuck no. <laughs> just FYI. <laughs> well, also one last thing, and hey, listen, I mean, it's 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 a work to listen, but it's not doesn't work as an album. It works to support the film, which is in theory what the score should do. As with and any time a musician usually works on a score, like you know, like a pop musician of some sort, usually some people try to be like, well, it's kind of an albums too. Like you see, like Eels, you see, like a lot of other people do it. So I think this was kind of the right move. Like it was designed to support the movie, which is exactly what it does. Uh, but the person who helped out with the arrangements, uh, Joseph Trapanese. He is this guy who also, ironically, he worked with another electronic artist to make a boring score uh, in 2013 with the Tom Cruise sci-fi film Oblivion. He got to act M83 uh, to do the score for that, but he was also the principal arranger on it, too. I love the knowledge. Yeah. I love uh, the knowledge. (laughs) So, I mean, just because I remember, like, when I found out about that, I'm like, that kind of makes sense. There's kind of this through line of, like, a really interesting electronic act, and this guy, like, you're going to do a film score, so I'm going to do a lot of the score parts of it. You kind of do your electronic thing as well. Like, I'm not sure what the exact through line is there with that. Well, when I was reading about it, it seemed like, for the most part, Daft Punk wrote the melodies and he or they they would like give him the melodies to work with and then he would arrange the strings interesting so it wasn't like he did have some creative input but it was still mostly Daft yeah Punk. i mean it still says music by daft punk right there on the fucking cover of it right. so it's weird yeah. and listen because i know these next four albums are gonna get really contentious i'm okay with let's go ahead let's dump off tron legacy at number five on our list i think that is totally fine totally good totally worth it but now Guys, we're getting to a fun part. Number four on our list. Very simple, very fine. Taryn, what would you say is the fourth best, second worst Daft Punk album? Now, this is difficult for me. Okay. Because it, it, it changes, like, based on the day at some points. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Human After All, which I didn't necessarily think I was going to say yesterday. But I just, I don't think that it, I, I don't think that it, hits the same levels that the other three do. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you can you can really tell that they made it in that short amount of time because yeah. they really, they, well, I think it was what, uh, like six weeks? 
We'll it lose was the like context. two weeks of recording and four weeks of mixing. And because like for, for homework and especially with Discovery, they dove in a lot uh, in, into like the, the like I mean they are almost like Steely Dan level of studio obsessive. Mm-hmm. Like they will focus on every sound, every day. And if you listen to especially one of the things I will say, would say what you will about the Grammys and their merits, uh, when they gave an award to Random Access Memories for a best engineered album. Oh my god, like, it is like, it's yeah, HD, no, basically. Like, the, the every drum sound, everything is so precise and perfect and in place and crisp and just incredible. But Human, after all, they're like, after uh, Discovery, their more synth-pop album, they're like, we just need to kind of break it down. So they put themselves in the studio, again, for that limited amount of time, but they only had a certain amount of instruments. They only had, like, one an electric guitar and one vocoder and one certain type of drum machine. And like, then, like, a couple different synths, yeah. Yeah, like, it was yeah, like kind of their, like, stripped down, let's force ourselves with the deadline kind of thing force creativity out that way my problem with it is that it shows uh, because the thing is like they were a group that is, is specialized it's dance music it's going to be a little bit repetitious there's going to be loops and things like that but at the same time it gets a little bit too repetitious and my largest issue i just want to put this out here robot rock the song uh-huh. More than any other thing, like it's. I think it's a fine, like attempt at a thing. Right, like, that's but it fine. needs to be. It should be like half as long. Right, for because what they accomplished with the it. repetition of it. Unlike other albums where the repetition, like they build on it, or there's like an underlying whatever. Oh, oh like this is just man. straight repetition. Constantine, oh, go man. say your words. Say your I, words, I man. Know, I don't know what kind of music you boys listen to, <laughs> but I'll be honest with you. I listen to house music, man. I mean, I love all genres. Mm-hmm. You know, hip hop, jazz. You you know whatever pop you know yeah. one of my favorite performers might be like justin timberlake i've seen the guy live twice and you know he's blown me away you know as far as his productions he's gets he got some of the best producers and whatnot but let's be honest right now okay we were talking about the alive 2007 album a little earlier you're telling me that robot rock didn't like fucking oh, no, no, tingle no, no, no. a little bit no here's the thing Here, let's see talking about the alive version okay fair that's yeah. different. Okay, fair. Okay, that's fine. So you're talking about repetition. As I was saying, I listen to a lot of like house music and a lot of it, you know, it's emotion. It's like, what does that kick? What is that like hi-hat? What does that like that 808 with a synth in the background do for you when he gets you moving? And if you find and that I'm groove, okay. you write it. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I love that. And I will listen to that when I wake up in the morning. I will listen to that before I go to fucking sleep. It will get me up. I can work out with it. I don't give a fuck. Robot Rock is a fantastic track you guys are a bunch of assholes <laughs> and but see, here's the thing like and i know there's disagreements i know there are people that love robot rock but then if we're talking about the rest of the album then we're also talking about steam machine and i okay no. <laughs> that's fine you can talk about yeah. all you want we'll talk i steam machine is one of those songs that I, I don't know sometimes i'm in the right mood for it steam i sometimes i'm definitely machine. not um I you know it's like one that I skip half of the time. I that's just fair. there's yeah, I, that's I fair. feel like it 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 hits enough of a level that I I can I can dig it. It it has enough like very intricate drum parts in like some of the I, some of the middle sections. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's not my favorite. Like and that's the I, thing but, with this... I, but the thing is though, I'm I'm putting this at number four, or I'm I'm nominating it for number four, even though it has a couple of my favorite Daft Punk songs on it. Like, Which are make love, I think, is just killer. That yes, I can put is. that on like on repeat. I that's one of my favorite Daft Punk songs of all ever, time for all sure. Time ever, yeah. Um, also, conversely, Brainwasher. When I'm in a mood to be, oh, Evan's face is so un- disbelieving right now. I but love I, it. I, 
I love Brainwasher, and and I I love it because a, a couple specific things. Sometimes I'm in the mood to like feel angry or have that visceral thing. Like I don't know. When I was younger, I used to like had a very specific idea for a music video for it, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, we're gonna get but, to that happy hour mini set. But oh, um, I just I think that it. It's really interesting because it has like I want to say in the that it does that like it's like thirteen times, and then sometimes it only does it like eleven times, and so the so like that, the that breakdown. Is that what you're well, it's not the same number of repetitions, so yeah. the the breakdown sort of catches you off guard. And that's fantastic. And, there's, and there are so many different levels of like atonal, like it it's it's. Honestly, parts of it are like terrifying, mm-hmm. and that's not always a feeling I like to have. But right. I don't know. I don't. I don't, brainwasher isn't like a jump yeah. scare, like a scary movie. It's just like it. Yeah. It, it, it puts provides you a in different a, emotion. Yeah, it puts you in a head previously. state. Right. Yeah. You know. And I get that. Yeah. And also, but then also, I mean, I agree with you. Make love. Make love is kind of this understated thing. And it's also lyrically a very simple album too let's be real that's true but also like then then but more to that point emotion the closing song that's just a turd and i wouldn't say it's a turd like i it's get where it's trying so to go emotion like I, it has I, this groove it just doesn't develop it it doesn't I'm go i'm rigorously annoyed by the vocoder yeah and they turned it up too high on that one it, it like really like drains on me i don't know if it's just because it's so like it's like a lower tempo or and then I think they they kind of bring back like a um, like almost like a sound from homework over it, mm-hmm. like a one of those, yeah, yeah. one that's of those like, like yeah. Daft Punk sounds. Right, <laughs> right. But for some reason, but but see the thing is when they do it on like rock and roll or like um, rolling and scratching, like that's because those are high energy and they're very like. They've got some like movement to them, and they get you going. Whereas like emotion, again, it's a slow tempo, so that like Daft Punk sound in that context, I don't know, it sounds out of place. You, to you me. don't think it suits it? That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I will say though, because uh, for whatever reason, I, Daft Punk, there was a group I always enjoyed. I never really like got any of their albums initially. I was just kind of like, you know, whatever. I had the songs I liked. They weren't like necessarily my jam. And then one day I was driving after Random Access Memories just came out, and get lucky, I heard it. It was fine. I didn't. They didn't love it in the way that a lot of other people did. But on the rock radio station, I was just driving one day, and they played "Doing It Right." Uh, and I was just like, the fuck is this song? And then I began going home, and I began looking stuff up, and I had never heard Technologic before. Uh, when I saw her that song for the first time. I don't know how you missed that. Honestly. I know. I don't know how I missed it either, because Technologic is a fucking jam. That is, that is like, every, I feel like that is the best iteration of A fucking album. jam? Absolutely. Yeah. But both of you are a bunch of hypocrites, though, as well. Oh, please. Because I want to hear it. So, it, it it's, <laughs> you know, it's obviously, it's, you know, it's a great production. No, mm. no, no doubt about it. But I feel like it's a lot less simple. Then you give it Then, you know, like the three tracks that Taryn was talking about, for mm-hmm. example. You know what I mean? My opinion, my opinion. Yeah. Vocals. Right? Yeah. But how creative, though. Oh, yeah, I love it. How creative, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's, it, you know, you're in the shower, you're, you're fucking singing it, man. Yeah. You're just like, it's on repeat in the back of your head. It rhymes, it goes. But also, like, just that groove that... Like, that groove is a little bit funkier, a little bit more lively than almost anything else on this album. Like, that's that's my biggest thing, and that's why it was such a stand-up for me. Human, after all, I can still take. Prime time of your life, you, you know, uh, television rules Actually, the nation. Come on, boys. No, no, like, that's what dude, we're saying. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what, what we're saying. Yeah, no, the that's biggest, what we're saying, yeah. is that, like, those are the best ones. Like, for me, prime time of your life is, like, 
up there again with like my, my favorites. Like, like especially because they don't they don't really change that like structure at all. But they also only do it for like two and a half minutes, and then when they start coming in with the like vocal, gonna do it, just wait, and like that gets me going so much. And then as it like just kind of slowly gains tempo and goes into hyperdrive through the outro, like that, yeah, no, that's one of their best works. But for me. go ahead. I, I appreciate what you just said. The outro, you know, the outro is very important. As a DJ, we all know that the outro is your friend right because that's where you're going to start mixing in the intro right. of the other song yeah. yeah depending on how you go about it as a dj is depending it, on like what, what you're going to do whether you're like on a radio yeah. or you're making a compilation or whether you're playing live or whether you're drunk or not um <laughs> you know sometimes the outro is able to um not I, maybe I want to say define the sounds, but you know, sometimes in the middle of the song, there's so much going on to bring it to life and everything like that. We forget how like the simple bass line, how good it is, you know, the simple mm-hmm. 808, how good it is, right. you know, and it's just like, like, just like, like, it, like for, you know, yeah. you want to hit repeat, you yeah. know, you want to replay that fucking song. So that being said, though, we are also up against three very different albums on top of that. I, I'm leaning towards what Taryn says with Human After All number four. And again, this is our very definitive and extremely arbitrary ranking of their albums from worst to best. So the other question is, Constantine, would you agree? Would you? What would you put at number four in your world? I will agree. Okay. And the only reason why I will agree is because everyone starts from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's that start that will bring you to stardom. And you can't spell stardom without start. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Start. (laughs) I'm I'm upset. Um, But um, I, you know, um, absolutely. Yes. We can go ahead and say, hey, you know what? You've had this many albums so far. And is this the best you can do? Sure. Um, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm not putting it forth because I don't love it. I'm putting yeah. it forth because... You love the other things more. Exactly. That's, that's totally No, fair. that's exactly what I'm doing here. I mean, yeah. that's why we're doing Again, this podcast. And that's, and that's, these are four, like, absolutely incredible. And listen, we've talked about two albums. We are 28 minutes into the podcast. That's so we have, we, have, we have a good amount of time to go. Now, now here's the shit, guys. Now we are dealing with homework, discovery... And random access memories. Now, let me just give you let me just give you this little sneak uh, preview of my thought process. I I thought I think we've been pretty good about agreeing so far. I know for a fact this is where we're going to start breaking ways. And initially, if you asked me before research week what should go in the number three spot, I would have easily told you random access memories. And the reason is is because when I first heard it, I just didn't connect with it in any deeply emotional way. It's one of the things where go, no, go, you were going to say oh. Well, you can finish. Okay, yeah, like, I feel like the... No, I can go ahead and say that you're a fucking weirdo. Listen, listen, listen. listen. (laughs) So when I first heard it, though, like, because that production is so immaculate and every symbol hit and everything is, like, so precise, I didn't necessarily have the soul in it. Like, when it comes down to, like, and sometimes the production can lead to that emotional connection as well. Most of the times it's just the songwriting, the melody, the words, everything else coming together. But here the production was so pristine and precise and Vegas-y and showy that it just, like, kept me at this emotional distance. Yeah. When I went back to it this week, when I was able to really listen to it not necessarily as a quote-unquote Daft Punk album, when I was just able to just listen to it on its own merits, I had a very different reaction to it. 
That's, I had the exact same thing. Because I, again, you know, I got into them in like 2004, 2005. And so I was all about that early work, that hard electronic bent. And so when Random Access Memories came out, and this week I was especially realizing, I mean, they, they the whole thing is made with studio musicians. So it's very different in yeah, that and sense. Yeah, it should be notable... They went into the studio, they're like, we want to do it with live bands and live drums right. and other things like that. And so they, they, used, before. they yeah. used, like, two vocoders and two drum machines. I think there's only, like, the drum machines are only used on, like, three songs out of 13 or something yeah. like that. Um, and it's it was just, the, the thing that I realized this week listening to it again is that the reason that it didn't sound like a Daft Punk album to me was specifically not the, like, the funk and the disco elements, because that's always been there. It was... Uh, the drums and how where they were in the mix because like on earlier albums you have like it's always a drum machine it's always very and it's always like a kick drum it's very like in your face like club music and for random access memories it's all live drumming it's jazz drumming it's very it's intricate and it's, the symbols and it's like clearly yeah. someone who has studied this craft for years and is trained professionally and like just incredible, and it's a little low. It sits a little lower in the mix. It's not it's in less your face bump, like the drums. So, so yeah. wait a minute. So you're that's gonna, not that's not a nominated for number three. I'm oh, just saying. Right. Okay. No. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just want to get this clear with what <laughs> Taryn was saying specifically. Okay. So you're telling me that we know Daft Punk since 1997. Mm-hmm. You know, throwing kicks and disco and funk and like you know creative like rock sounds and their own sound and whatnot. And you're gonna. Disgrace them. Not kidding. Constantine um, <laughs> is very judgmental as a guest, I want to point out. Yeah. I'm a fucking right asshole. Onset. Right, exactly. I've been called an asshole many times, no. But I, I just want to be on the same page with what you are saying because you're offending me a little bit. Oh my <laughs> um, God. I just want to make sure I'll that... Myself you know, me. are we talking about from like a production value, the fact that it's like, you no. know, you, let's get a hundred people together no, to no, make no, a, no, one no. song. So what I'm, what I'm saying now... What, what, what we're trying to say is that our opinion on that changed a lot this week. What I what I was saying is that I realized that that's why it wasn't the album that I was expecting. And so I, I was like, on first listen, because I didn't listen to the whole thing more than like once or twice. When it first came when out. When it first came yeah. out. I, I picked my favorite songs and I listened to those a bunch and then I sort of moved on. But I think re-listening to it this week and again, listening to it not as like, what I'm expecting from a Daft Punk album and going it into it, it as yeah. like this is what Daft Punk made I enjoyed it a lot more I was able to connect with a lot more because I was able to go wow they really did try something so different and I and they were very successful it just wasn't what I was like when I heard there was going to be a new Daft Punk album I had a very different idea in, of his it in mind. my head yeah. okay that's, you know? that's fair that's fair so I, as such oh go ahead sorry oh yeah. I'm sorry um, I just wanted to go ahead and ask you to um so you're telling me not knowing how many people came within every production when you were just like to hear this let's say daft punk was from a to z on every single sound that you heard Mm -hmm. on this album you were you're gonna go ahead and say that it's 
not as creative. No. No, no, no. That's not what we're saying well, at all. I, I don't know where you're getting that from. Oh, at all. okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's the, I, I, I hear Taryn like, you no, know, no, I no, hear, you're talking no. about, no, because you were working with the live drums, because previously it was just them. They are very talented multi instrumentalists that could do guitar, Absolutely. bass, keys, yeah. everything. Right. They, yeah, and, they, and it wasn't that they couldn't play the guitar or the, dr- or the bass. It was just that they would always, like they, they, would, they would play a pretty intricate line and then they would loop it. And yeah. so when there was when there was a lot more jazz and it, like experimentation and random access memories, it sort of it threw you off. It threw me off guard at gotcha. first because there was just so much motion. Be- because they also had the revelation too, like listen, they could do this guitar riff easy, but what if Niles Rogers of Chic did this guitar riff? Right, like, wouldn't and that be a whole nother better? Level. And like, and that yeah. guitar, like it pops, it comes to life, it has a personality, like it wants to take you out to a drink and show you a nice time. That's what that guitar line wants to do on you know that song. Yeah. Home run. Like, exactly. 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 So as such, so sh- kind of shocking even me, my nomination for number three on our list, keep in mind what we got left, I want to see Constantine's face too, my, my nomination for number three is Homework. Okay. I, I, I put it there too. Really? I thought you were going to fight no, us. No, no Oh way. my god. No yeah. Let's well, talk about uh, Homework. Uh, what are, tell us about well, Homework. Okay. Well, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, Getting ready to like fight. I was like, oh my god. Okay, so homework. Mm -hmm. Man, did they do their homework. What is homework? By definition, in my opinion, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It is research. It is looking into something. And when you listen to the song Teachers, as simple and as cloying as a song as that is. I mean, I hate listening to it, but it's still kind of an important Because there's a connection between Random Access Memories and Teachers. Because here they list all of their influences and then, basically, by the time they get around to Random Access Memories, they're playing with a lot of them. They, unlike, while a lot of other dance artists, I would argue, and you can, you can argue, please argue with me if you disagree, uh, are very much interested in themselves. Uh, they're interested in their sound and their brand and their style. Cough, yeah. chain smokers, cough. But uh, <laughs> I feel like Daft Punk, they, as, as, as introverted and as cut off as they are, they are very explicitly aware of their forefathers, yeah. of the people that came before them and what they did. Mm-hmm. And that has never left their mind, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I will agree with that. Mm-hmm. And they were able to push it their own direction. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, this is 1997. Yeah. I'm seven years old right about now, <laughs> right? I don't know Daft, Daft Punk. That's mm-hmm. the truth. I'm living in Greece. I'm seven years old. I'm, I'm living with my dad, who's a sound engineer, a very well-known sound engineer in Greece, actually, especially at the time, uh, working with a bunch of Greek artists and whatnot. But going, I'm going off topic right now, but um, the thing... Okay, you need to understand that the sounds that they use in 1997, they're revolutionary. Yeah. You can't... I mean... You you know, deal, well, because when you listen to it in 2017 years... It sounds like, especially with the way dance production has gone, it sounds kind of basic. It sounds kind of like outdated. Yeah, absolutely, you're right, and it is outdated. But also, let's set the scene for us. What was dance music like in 1997? Absolutely. So in 1997, other than um, well, Acid I, House, yeah, other than like you know your traditional house music, Quote now you raves and Misa. Um, th- there you go, Progressive House. Progressive House at the time was a very fast uh, BPM. Yeah, it was a lot faster, almost trancey. Yeah. And then um, Progressive House music kind of like toned it down a little bit. It went melodical, you know. It kept certain um, sounds from what trance is nowadays or what was, let's say, about like five, six, seven years ago. 
and um, you know it, it developed in its own sound but you know having Daft Punk come out with an album in 1997 and they're able to infuse you know funk disco rock all in an electronic manner I mean come on those are revolutionary sounds and talk about revolutionary sounds revolution 909 uh, revolution 909 that is a, a, like on when writing, on a the group, day, writing a that's group. my favorite Daft Punk song like that is I love where like the and I, I think I think part of it specifically is because they do the, you know they have their like groove and then when they break it down with the bum 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 like it really I think it it adds just enough distinction to the um like the segments like it really it like I lose my mind at Revolution Nine Hundred Nine. Yeah. What's um What's really dope about Revolution Nine Hundred Nine is um well this is okay this is me going to work listening to listening um to my headphones right so you just hear a fat down tempo baseline right you can't really hear the hi hats or everything like that it's almost like a distinct sound coming from like a warehouse or something yeah like that, right mm-hmm. yeah so let's go ahead and say you're outside of a club. And you're just hearing that boom, 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 and it's muffled through a wall, yeah. And then like you're waiting for the fucking bouncer to let you inside the club, and as soon as he opens that door, then you hear that fucking drop, you know. But they do it in a manner where like you can place yourself in a situation, knowing what's about to happen, but they bring it in a form of like. This is where I'm going to break the beat. And they kick. You know, they, they yeah. bring that kick in. Yeah. Man, dude. I, 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 I Fast. It's fast. It's high BPMs. Probably around like 140 BPM. Mm-hmm. Um, not my typical um, sound, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. But like, honestly, the, the way they brought that together with like... Uh, it, it's not simple. And especially in 1997, you know, being able to like, you know, sit in a studio and be like, okay, this is what we need to do. And this is what we need to bring together so we can wow the crowd. And you're wowing the crowd at a time where, you know, electronic music is just developing. You have few sounds to play with. Right. You can do just so much. Let's say someone comes up with a kick. You can like, you know, expand that kick like to a certain amount. They were able to bring that to life, and I, yeah. I I love them for that. Yeah, and also, but the other thing is that they were in the heads of a revolution called big beat uh, at the time. And basically, when you think about the artists that are qualified under that subgenre, aka uh, Fat Boy Slim and Basement Jacks and the Chemical Brothers and Crystal Method, when you think about them, basically, what is that? That is basically dance music reappropriated for a rock audience. And that is yeah. and that is a thing that never happened before. Dance music was its own thing for a while. It just was kind of it didn't really play with other genres all that much. You could bring in a soul vocalist or something else sometimes, but you never really were playing to the rock kids ever. And for a lot of like young, you know, suburban white kids, whatever, they hear this stuff, and this is like is their gateway into like clubbing into that culture yeah. because they again like it's four four for the most part, like it's a pretty standard structure. But there, it's not like going for like the high end. It's not going for the echoey trance. You know, it's not going for that. It's going for deeper funkers. I mean, even the lead single, Da Funk, it's this weird... I, wow. That's, I mean, wow. that's one that, like, when I was first getting in Daft Punk, for some reason, didn't connect with me. And then, like, uh, in recent years, and, like, especially this week, I was like, this is fucking phenomenal. This yeah. is just, like, that, like, um, yeah, that main hook. But then, even when it comes and, in... Because it, it, like, it establishes what it is. It does that thing. And then it brings that, like, rapid-fire, like, 
I can't remember the exact rhythm of it, but you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely, like for like the absolutely. second half. Absolutely. And it absolutely. just like it it just knocks it out of the fucking park and then all of the elements come together and it's just absolutely I, I, I love the intro of that, man. It's just like a steady kick and mm-hmm. hat. Yeah. Kick and clap. And then and all these then little like, sonic details. And then it brings you the wow and then you hear yeah, yeah. obviously like the details little, yeah. oh my god squiggles. absolutely squigglies but then on top of that the kick mm-hmm. the 808 just gets thicker man and just fucking like yeah it, as the song progresses it, yeah like, absolutely it, it it's kind of like you think that this is it. gonna continue but it like it, it takes you to the next level you know it like prepares you almost for like what's about to come next yeah. and you think this is where you're gonna stay I, I phenomenal but yeah that is the that is the key thing phenomenal. about this that you don't have with uh, I would say you don't have with Human After All like take the song the lead single we all know Around the World it's that very simple book, Around the World Around the World except that's not the hook that's like the key because there's that breakdown part way through when they you know they have that down tempo kind of like you know key ascendings going the hook down. of Around the World yeah. is the bass line yeah basically and like then that's they, that's all like you 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 could have just given me seven minutes of that baseline and I would have been okay. But they still find deviation in it. They still yeah, build it and grow they it. Like, yeah, and they Which add, is why that music video and, and that music in. video for it where it's got the mummies and the skeletons and all this <laughs> shit. The whole point to show Gondry when he's filming that was like he wanted each element of the song to be represented by a different group of people. Yeah. When they're doing the around the world part, there's the robots doing the robot, you know, and then there's the little slinky synths, which is these little swimmer girls in synchroon costumes like moving up and down. Like it's like the whole point is like all these things grow and interplay along the yeah, way exactly. like it's a fun it's just like it's yeah i'm i'm a big baseline guy right i base a lot of like you know base well what when i'm when i'm gonna throw tracks down i want to make sure that i have like a progressive baseline and by progressive baseline i mean i don't want something repetitive i want something that's just gonna change but the baseline is what's gonna move you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will go ahead and say, even though you said that it's the baseline that does it for around the world, I'm all about. Oh, I mean, like, man, you hear yeah, that, and like in a live 2007, oh. when you hear it mix in, you you know you hear the yeah. crowd like you know they hear the they they obviously hear the baseline come in very muffled up, but like. Then you hear the crowd go up uh, an extra, like, you know, 30% higher mm-hmm. just because they hear the... Like, now they know what's coming up. Yeah. Right, because Daft Punk uses, like, especially on the live shows, they like to use, like, they'll use the harder, better, fa- faster riff a lot. Or, like, they'll use the around the world... Like, they'll just play a single around the world and just let that's that be that. Yeah, yeah, like, they yeah. tease it a lot, like, as they're, like, switching. But they rarely the implement the whole song. And right. so that's, yeah, that's exactly it, why I bet. Yeah. When they're like, and this is... Because they're like, oh, yes, we're actually getting this right. track. I'm so pumped. And yeah. this is a great discussion, and I love this, but my question is, we seem to all be in agreement, why is this at number three? Because there's... Because, oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, man. Great. That's great, too. <laughs> Um, yeah, because of, oh yeah, and like Teachers is like great and was a smart move because then they got to work with three of the people they reference in Teachers on the next album, but it's not like listenable, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> the album is not listenable? No, 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 no. Teachers. Oh, Teachers. Yeah. Teachers. Okay, gotcha. Um, and I also think that like Fresh, for example, it it's kind of a misstep. Like the, the, the loop waves. never resolves yeah. and... There's like this, they use, they, it's not quite feedback, but there's like that guitar drone that kind of comes in over it Mm -hmm. and they, then they put waves over it and it, it seems like what they were going for was like 
a beach vibe, sort mm-hmm. of like a summery thing, but it kind of makes me anxious. Yeah. Like I, like I can see what they were going for, but I think they didn't quite pick the right sample, the right chord structure to get to where. There's weaker moments on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Phoenix uh, is still a jam. Just oh, oh, absolutely. I yeah, I, and I'll go ahead and say, you know, even even though that um, we're agreeing, I guess, I guess in number yeah, third, yeah, I mean, yeah this is I, yeah. I will agree to that. Right, let's um, not get in by the way. It is. Um, it is just a, a you know, a, well, shade. Well, first of all, let's just go ahead and say that there are a couple singles on this fucking album. They're just like still one of the best, you know, mm-hmm. the, arguably the best Daft Punk songs ever. Absolutely. It's just like overall as a production value, it is sounds from uh, 1997 and they didn't have too much to do. I will go ahead and respect them for what they've done. Um, but it is a start to something and what a start it was. And I've, I feel like the only thing there is to do is just like a couple, judge a couple other albums that were able to surface what Daft Punk is capable mm-hmm. of. Yeah. So that being said, number five, Trial and Legacy. Number four, Human After All. Number three, Homework, Leaving Discovery and Random Access Memories. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back one hot second. back remember that three seconds that we say we're taking a break we took a long break and now we're back and we're drunker and it's even better so hey guys <laughs> uh, we are back here we are down we ranked the last three albums we have discovery and random access memories left in our number one number two spot and you might think well you guys are going through it kind of slowly but that's only because there's so much to get there's into so much to say oh guys so, so here's the thing uh, i think we've all gone around we've all not it, it, with the agreements have been surprising so far but now we have the iconoclastic synth pop album that is Discovery, and the joyous revamp and acknowledgement of the dance music past, present, and future in the form of random access memories. Constantine. Sir. I'm going to ask the question. Are you ready for this? Please. What would you rank at number two? Random access memories. Even though it's like one of my favorite albums. Okay, of all time. we need to dig the fuck into this then. Okay. Random access memories. It came out. Where were you? What happened? Initial reactions, thoughts, okay, feelings. Okay, so yeah. I um um being a house head, house music head, I tend to like you know get a lot of my music from a site called Beatport, mm-hmm. right? So well, it is. It is. Know where that is. It is 2013. I've been in the United or in Chicago rather for about a year, and um, I'm over at my friend's house, and it well first of all I, I I go in and out of Beatport on a daily basis, and I see that it's like the number one track. I listen to it a little bit. Dad, I give it like probably like t- get lucky. Yes, yeah. I, I yes, you're right. Thank you for verifying. Um, <laughs> I probably listened to like ten seconds of it, and I was like, no, this is bullshit. I don't fucking like this. Yeah. Um, I'm over at my now roommates house at the time and his brother is visiting um we went to school together all in greece and he is like oh my god guys have you heard this song get lucky i was like dude i heard like 10 seconds of it over on before yeah. like it fucking i i didn't do with it, it blows he goats. looked at me like i was like the biggest fucking douchebag on the planet right <laughs> he constantly gets that look a lot so <laughs> <laughs> continue 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 um he, uh, he looked at me kind of weird, yeah, so he's like, dude, have you, like, heard the song? I was like, yeah, man, like, you know, I've heard it, like, a few seconds, like, I'm pretty good at, like, guessing whether I like a song. He's like, listen to the album version, so he played it from, like, top to bottom, and 
Well, and that top, it opens with uh, give me uh, give life back to music. This no, I'm talking about get lucky, oh, yeah. like as as a single, just, a song, yeah. just as a single, right? And I was like, what the fuck? Coming from a point where in Greece I was listening to like house music, a little faster BPM and stuff like that. I came here to the United States. You know, a lot of EDM is taking over these days, and I'm really sorry to all the like the producers and artists making EDM music. It sucks. I understand that you guys are trying to make money and everything like that. It and totally good for sucks. you. Good for you. It's business, you know, <laughs> and I definitely James understand. And you have a big following, <laughs> and, and I get it, but it's a bunch of fucking 15 and 16-year-olds that don't even want to know what to do with their fucking dick. Right. Anyways, um, you know, they, you know, so I listened to this, and it was at a point in my life where it's kind of like, you know, house music, like you were saying, it's very, like, repetitive. It's, sometimes it can get monotonous, depending on, like, the track that you're listening to. And I heard a funk, I heard a sound, I heard a guitar, I heard color, dude. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that just like left me speechless. Right. And mm -hmm. I ended up hearing the entire fucking album and I was like, you know, I was, I was left speechless by, you know, a duo that came together in 1997 and, you know, we spoke of a, a lot, we, you know, we discussed a lot of these albums and, you know, they've come to a point, even though we said that they had a lot of producers and mu musicians and whatnot, um, along with them, but they made something like so epic in my opinion, Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, just, I mean, on. it was, the thing is, it was also such a clear acknowledgement of everything past. I mean, aside from going with the live, you know, group and everything else like that and getting that studio perfection down to a T, like I would argue even more so than what they did with Discovery or their earlier works. Here, like, they wanted to bring in their idols, and they wanted to work with them in so many ways. Paul Williams, you know, the guy who uh, did Phantom of the Paradise and, of course, wrote Rainbow Connection, let's be real, motherfucker, he gets pussy. Uh, but he went ahead, he's on this song called Touch, which we has this meek little, you know, touch. Arguably one of the best songs. Okay, yes, Arguably. and that's the thing, though, is that when I first heard it, and it just comes in and it's just his, like, acapella, basically, mm -hmm. vocal... And, he, and like I mean, he's a, he's a fairly old man, yeah. and yeah, he's a very, like, classicist, like, he was an Genuine old, pop like, yeah. pop, like, very early in pop music songwriter, and so, you know, there's Sometimes. almost, like, a, a, a twist of, like, classic musical theater to the way that he composes yeah. a melody yeah. and the way that he writes lyrics, and so... Well spoken, by when the way, I... Turn. <laughs> Thank you. Good for you. Um... <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. That's what yeah. I got. You put that together very well. But, like, the song evolves in such a fascinating way. Because, like, just this little simple thing, when that groove comes in, and then it has the old kind of, like, honky-tonk piano just I love that part. I fucking love that part. And then the horns. Right, this song just, like... Constantine wants to go No, 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 no. I love what I'm hearing. I love what I'm hearing. And I want to add And then it breaks again, and then the choir comes in, and it builds, and it builds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, is that, like, he helps put this together with them. And, I mean, I'm sure most of it, like as far as like the arc of the song was like their vision but mm -hmm. uh it's it's just like once you get used to his vocal delivery that song is just like phenomenal and just immaculately put together and it takes you on a journey it really takes you yeah. on it and feels like it lyrics be, are fucking dark as hell by the way it feels like it should be like a montage yeah you know like like it's years like, yeah, are cinematic is a very this, appropriate word for, for it yeah. i think for this whole album oh, and that's yeah. where i say i think that it's important that we talked about tron legacy because that's where they really like they appreciated like they worked with an 85 piece orchestra for that soundtrack and so they could really appreciate like 
you know, they've been working in electronic music their whole lives, and obviously they're very good at that. They're very innovative. And then, but then that was the first time they were really like, oh, there's nothing that can beat like real musicianship with an instrument and mm-hmm. the way that you like bend the strings and the way that you like just lightly tap on a drum. Like you can't recreate that with that exact sound with computers. And that's why I think they really went into this album and were like, let's just fucking orchestrate the hell out of this. Like we're a successful act. We've been doing this for years. Let's do something different and really like take it back to our roots. And that's just like you said, they really pull, like they have fucking Nile Rodgers and Paul Williams on here, Mm -hmm. which is just like, that like two of the most iconic songwriters of all time. Tara and O'Reilly, dude, you bring tears to my eyes because like <laughs> I like I honestly respect you more than ever right now because you were able to like sum up something and you brought it to words and I like I can't thank you enough for that. You did such a phenomenal job <laughs> describing so that. Sweet. No, I, I I'm serious. I'm serious. And we're gonna bring in more people that praise us during the podcast. Yeah. Uh, that is gonna be happening going forward. No, I mean I you know I. You, you got to give specs where respects are due, you know, and Taryn just like broke it down phenomenally, <laughs> phenomenally, phenomenally. And to say the least, that's a super production. Yeah. You know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, there, the but there's so much more on this album aside from that, though. I mean, we all know Get Lucky. Uh, but the thing is, that, oh, go ahead. I just wanted to go ahead and say yes. that song is called Touch. Now, I know that it might not be in relevance, but... You were touched. Touch. By Dan mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Okay. Those robots Fine, too asshole. Much, but it's good. <laughs> no, no, no. Continue. But, but touch brings you to the bedroom, and touch comes before get lucky. And I just want to go ahead and say that, in in my opinion, in my listen, you know, there's a lot to an album. There's a lot to a production. Motherboard and then, and giving then birth. You, I get it. You are <laughs> doing it right at all. In the circle just of life, get life back to music as opens the album. It is a concept album, guys. No, but I'm serious though. Like, you know, you gotta give some some type of respect for like being able to like, you know, okay, this is the production effort that we've put into it. This is this is like the tracks that we've come together. How can we put it in a line of series from like top to bottom and you know what in my opinion that that that's that's what makes an album in my opinion it's not just like the production it's the artwork it's like who goes behind it like you know like what thought have you put into this where songs are other than the fact that you're musically talented but that being said they love their heroes. They love the people pointing to the future. For some reason, they love Julian Casablancas, despite his notable lack of charisma. Uh, and, of course, Panda Bear doing it right. I Listen, that's for another podcast. That's the only song on the record, just fun fact. Doing it right is the only song on the record that's completely electronic. And, and it doesn't fucking... it doesn't like stick out or feel like oh, it doesn't man. fit there. No, 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 that's correct. It definitely, yeah. it's very interesting because it's, like, again, like up there with one of the best things they've recorded and... It's phenomenal. It's because it's they, like in this, and I think that it was the last thing they recorded. For I this think record. so, yeah. Like it and just, it, it's kind of a misnomer, but it's incredible. But that being said, Giorgio by Maroder, though, that is a song. I feel like that's a song that it, it clearly acknowledges disco great in with Giorgio Maroder, and it led to his weird kind of sort of comeback that happened two years later with that Britney Spears uh, album and all the other stuff. Yeah, you may have heard him. He mm-hmm. produced the second album by Janet Jackson, Dream Street, way back in 1980. Well, whatever. he also produced like. Chic and like. Oh, Donna every, Summer. And, yeah, yeah. Like, he like made Donna Summer. He is Summer. a disco godfather. Yeah, he's yeah. the fucking man. Right. In other words, but that like, song, that as a song, it's really more of like. It's almost like an NPR radio lab. It's more like a, like a historical like perspective on him. 
that it is like a song. So it's something I can appreciate, but I don't necessarily like that's enjoy I'll, it. I will agree with you and that was my initial impression of it uh-huh. was that it was like I didn't love that well, and specifically what they did is they asked him to just tell his life story into a microphone and then they said we'll know what to do with it so like he didn't work on the sonics of it at all which I think is very interesting but I think that they they really um, I love as like especially as the song progresses it's a nine minute track and but there's a whole like minute long um, full like jazz improvisational bass solo mm-hmm. with the jazz like shuffling drums over fuck. it and it is dope as fuck it is yeah. so incredible <laughs> and I even love the synth riff they came up with for this track the like I think that it, it has a really great movement and it has an incredible arc I do think that a two full minutes of Giorgio talking at the beginning is a bit much mm-hmm. like I think that it takes almost a little too long for the actual like groove of the song to start, but whatever. It's a nine-minute track. They clearly they wanted to like pay full homage to this incredible icon, and so I get that. But it, I I do I hear what you're saying yeah. there, Evan. But also, like there's a whole four minutes there, like at the end, that just like it makes it all worth it. Absolutely. I think it all kind of like makes sense. Like Evan, what you said about uh, the man Giorgio and how Daft Punk was able to bring him into one of their tracks, and they pretty much like they made a track like about him, you mm-hmm. know. So they really brought him to life to a certain extent. And Taryn, I definitely uh, understand what you mean. So yes, after you've heard the song a few times, you are gonna skip to get to the track. You're absolutely right, but. You know, the first time where you're, like, listening to the album and you're, like, listening to those, like, words... to dance! You know, it's... You know, that like, that track specifically, I mean, it, it's a nine-minute masterpiece. I also think that it, it sets the stage really well for what's gonna come next. Because, like, Give Life Back to Music... I don't know. It, it it could do a little more for me. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite. And, like, I hate Game you. Of, yeah, and the Game opening of Love, is better than the rest Game of the Game of Love is, yeah. like... Again, it's, like... They've done slow tracks better than that. But then Giorgio from Marauder really, like, sets in and is like, just you fucking wait. (laughs) Like, we're going to break it the fuck down later on this album. Side note. uh, It, like, introduces a lot of what they do later. I really love Fragments of Time. I didn't think I would. It's kind of cheesy. Oh, yeah. Well, it starts out with that little slide guitar. When you start, like... When you listen to cheesy songs enough, you end up liking them. I've noticed that. Yeah. Uh, that being said, though, I think there's a lot going on here, but we're also going up against Discovery. And I don't think we Oh, wait. Could... Before we go to Discovery, oh my God. Though, I just want to mention, um, I think the two songs that maybe don't get enough love are Beyond and Motherboard. Beyond is incredible in Motherboard. I, I'm so... See, Taryn, you're right about... Like, <laughs> you, you, know, you know what you're saying, dude. Like, That's what I'm saying, dude. There's Motherboard has like a flute riff on it that mm-hmm. they use. They interpolate a lot. And well, I a lot really of oboes. Love, yeah. Or is it oboe? Dude, it's an electronic master. And Beyond is similar. Actually, Paul Williams wrote the lyrics for Beyond, too. And I just... I love that full, like big orchestral intro it's it's like a full minute and it's absolutely gorgeous it's like (laughs) it's one of my favorite songs again that's definitely one where i'm like i'm so glad they did tron legacy because 
They, then it taught them, yeah, it, it taught yeah, them how to right. use strings, and it taught them how to use like a lot of things that they maybe hadn't attempted to even like think about with their pretty straightforward electronic like made in the studio music. And so, yeah, like Random Access Memories, I think they were saying was recorded on like three different continents, and there were some songs that like made it to seven different studios at various points because they just kept adding layer after layer. And I think you can really hear that, like, on those, I mean, on so many of the tracks here, but specifically, like, Beyond and Motherboard, I, with Random Access Memory is that whole second half, like, starting with Lose Yourself to Dance and just all the way down, just absolutely, like, immaculate. But, so that also includes Fragments of Time, FYI, but also... I mean, besides... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah. know what you just said, we're gonna go with it, but Discovery, though. Discovery, I don't think, here's the thing. Pop music as it's known today, I genuinely feel like I can say this, is rooted in discovery. It wouldn't be where it is And I truly it. mean that. Because, yeah. like, as much as it still was, like, a moderate-selling album, as much as uh, the song uh, One More Time followed the success of the lead, uh, Around the World, peaked at number 61, both those songs peaked at number 61 on the That's American so charts, weird. which is just a random anomaly. Uh, but Discovery, they discovered samples. They went from hard dance to synth pop, and they did it so fucking and they, well. And they interpolate so many different elements. Like, when you hear the fucking uh, guitar solo on digital Oh, well, here, well here's like, the thing. Like, the, the other thing is, like, when you look into it, both of them are talented multi-instrumentalists, but I guess uh, Thomas Banglader, he is uh, more focused, like, he will do the bass melodies, he gets the ideas in place there. And uh, Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo, he actually is kind of the guy that has the little, like, well, add this. Like, he has the little flourishes. He has the ideas for the little, like, bits here and there. Evan details is everything. Mm-hmm. So, right. like, for example, Everything. Digital Love. Yeah, exactly. So there's that part there when all of a sudden you oh, have yeah. this kind of, you know... That, like, uh, that horn sample, or that horn synth Yeah, Like, right before, like... The second chorus. Right before the, like, pop song part of it ends, and then it just starts going into it. Yeah. That's all him. And I love that, because those things add so much character and distinction. Yeah. And also, Digital Love is a fucking masterpiece... As songwriting, as production, as every the way it builds, like you think it starts a song, like it adds the drum beat, but then it adds the bigger drum beat later, and it just like it's a floor filler. Oh my god, face because like it, I got into this album because I knew the songs one more time. I heard aerodynamic before, of course, you know, harder, better, faster, stronger. But then you miss out on these other smaller things like face to face. Oh my god, god. That is, oh my okay, god. that is where that's where it, like what? when you hear face to face, like obviously they had bass lines on the first album, yeah. but that like boom, like that's so that's so immediate and absolutely like that's the hook right there like you like he you have todd edwards singing this like pop song on the second half but like that that first section could be its own thing all on its own like that but their use of samples on the whole album is so brilliant and they never really did it afterwards never really did much as much before they used to sample because also on face to face there's that boom boom ah guitar doom doom yeah you know and then it has that little part there and it has kind of like this dreamy part like and you don't even it's not even words it's not even anything but it's just like there's these hints of other dimensions of melody that come in for a half second and fade away or like it's not frustrating incredible yeah Incredible. Even like with one more time, it's just this, you know, like it's a very simple bang, bang, you know, like it's a very simple deviation. And they, and it's like clearly disco samples, but the way that they cut them, they, they like, they shorten the like string phrases and they, they like loop it in a way that sounds 
utterly unlike well, the energy builds. That That's the other thing. Because you can yeah. you can cut something in a loop and it's just the melody repeated. But here they cut it at that point where the energy is rising. You know, one more time, that like that part, like it's like feels like you're building up to something, then goes right back to the start. So it's this constant building motion all the yeah, way straight through. Yeah. And, and that's where its energy comes and, from. And and that's where it goes to show you that they're true electronic artists because true electronic artists in house music, for example, or whatever kind of like, you know, progressive house, tech house, deep house, you know, whatever it is, you're, if you don't have lyrics, there's, you know, only just so much that you can do as far as sound goes, mm -hmm. you know, it's just as far as digital sound goes. And the most that you can do is just build it up and then drop it all over again, yeah. you know, and I love the fact that they were able to like, you know, hey, you know what, don't forget, we are digital artists, mm -hmm. but here is something different. Right. Yeah. Well, because because yeah, listen, absolutely. you listen to homework and you never hear anything that would even remotely come close to something about us. This really laid back, lazy, beautiful, right? Little yeah, that was the first line. time they really broke it down. Because that's that's yeah. the best. That's like right. the best. Thing. And also, so I mean, the, the lyrics are so now. basic, but because it sounds Amazing. so simple through this like vocoder, I need you more than anything in my yeah. life. You know, I don't, like I don't yeah. Understand why? You know what I. Hate the digital voices, mm -hmm. the vocoders. Yeah, the, the whatever you call them. I don't yeah. know what the fuck they're called. Okay, yeah. so those like digital vocals. I hate them. I honestly do hate them. Why do they sound so good? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Why do well, they because, sound well, so fucking good? It's not a voice. I mean, listen. Let's let let's honestly like you know discuss this for a second. You know, a human being's voice. Being able to, th you know, from opera to like hip hop to everything in between. To Constantine speaking right now. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm making all of these fans like jizz their pants right now just by my voice. But be <laughs> besides the fact, it you know. Pregnant yet? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you're able to bring a sensation of sound that, you know, your basic human being is exposed to in a digital manner and not only does it like does it satisfy the fact that there are vocals for because a lot of people just don't hate just hate instrumental music right mm -hmm. so just the fact that they hear like 808s and beats and hi-hats and like synths and all that you know like they they don't like that just because there are no vocals but on top of that you're bringing vocals that are created digitally and they're still able to please not only your house music head, your digital music lover, but also your everyday music lover that just needs vocals. Well, and you think about like when T-Pain came into prominence and all of a sudden everyone was using uh, the auto-tune. Auto-tune, yeah. Everyone was using all the other stuff to be like, I'm going to about my voice. You that's know, like, like auto-tune gets a bad rep because it was overused and it was by used to cover up people who weren't talented. But when you hear T-Pain use it, for example, he, like, if you listen to I'm Sprung, he, like, builds a whole, like, chorus of T-Pain. Like, there's a it. ton yeah. of little different... And then you like, also listen to 808 and Heartbreak and, like, by oh, Kanye. Oh, thank you for and that, and, that. And that is yeah. now where he's like, okay, this sounds very mechanical. This sounds like it's fixing the stakes. But he it artistically. What if I... Exactly. Yeah. And that's Kanye, the same thing. Yeah, there's, yeah. A right, Kanye there's a right way to use it. Kanye got a lot of shit for that. Yeah. 
And the, and the thing is, but he still made a fucking album that was a giant hit. And then here, and also the album before that, he also used Daft Punk on his own song, Stronger. So he clearly learned the lessons of how digital voices, when used in the right way, can still present emotion. Because even the digital voice here on Something About Us, I need you more than anything in my life. It's so deliberate. It's a robot asking for but it. it. Like, and it's still... It's a human emotion. It's yeah. a human sentiment. Yeah. But it's a robot asking for it. So there's this weird kind of like disconnect, but you're intrigued as well because... Why is this robot talking about human emotions? Like it all. And together. why is it triggering my humane right. emotions? Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's like a. Also, I never knew crescendos before I bought the album. For some oh, reason, that was always kept away from me. That's one part about days building emotions. Yeah, and then that last part. Like it's almost like Vegas. Like it's glorious. That's that's a few times like on crescendos and superheroes, sort of like have a similar vibe in my head. I think Crescendals pulls it off a little better. Mm-hmm. But they that they have that like 70s vocal sample, which is a very specific the way that they warp it and use and build those beats is like a way like it's it's a sound that we've heard so much since, but I think they were the first people to really hammer that technique home. Yeah. Like it's and, very and timeless. Use it so effectively. Yeah, and it's exactly very it's, it's like anyone could like Crescendals could be released tomorrow, and I would be in love with it. Like, right. Absolutely. Or, or honestly, like, I wouldn't even be surprised if, like, you know, Brian Eno or someone fucked with like looping vocals like that, like eighty years ago. Not eighty. I meant, <laughs> I meant in the nineteen eighties. <laughs> Brian Eno is old as fuck. But all, <laughs> anyway, they, all that you know said, what? It's totally timeless. It could come from any era, and Terrence it would still does be have one qualm with Discovery, though. Oh, Veritas Quo is garbage. That's fine. And that's I'm, and that's I, I like I get what they were going for. I just I hate the main synth tone. I think that it's really cheesy, and so I can enjoy it. Yeah, but, but that being it's said, still one of my favorite albums of all time. But that being absolutely. Said, yeah. Well, listen. The only the reason is because we talked for an hour, and we have some very patient, wonderful listeners here. I think that now we've talked about all these albums together. I think we should lock it in. Let's lock it in. Let's do it, guys. In that case, your official chartographer's ranking. For Daft Punk is number five, Tron Legacy. Number four, Human After All. Number three, Homework. Number two, Random Access Memories. And the number one Daft Punk thing of all time, Starboy by the Weekend featuring Daft Punk. It's a great song. People love it. It's so it's Discovery, obviously, clearly. But hey, listen, we've been talking a lot about Daft Punk. We have a lot more to go. That is why we have the Happy Hour Minisode. So We're going to be uh, drinking during the Happy Hour Minisode. In the meantime, before we get to the Happy Hour Minisode, Constantine, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. You guys are, guys are wonderful. Oh honestly, man. Like, you, hospitality, 10. <laughs> you know, just like... This is our Yelp review. You guys are fantastic. <laughs> the only thing honestly. that would be better is if you went on iTunes and uh, ranked us similarly to how Constantine is ranking us right now. That's the only thing. <laughs> or favorite us on Stitcher or went on to any other fucking podcast networks that we're on right now. Uh, we're on Facebook, SoundCloud everything leave your notes in the comments on the facebook page we want to hear what you have to say i'm kind of surprised by the ranking and i love it and i want to know if you agree or disagree let us know we want to hear it. in the meantime happy hour mini so right after this thank you so much for listening keep on listening you know that will be have a great one see you guys But right now, he's come all the way to our studio, and I know I'm going to get his last name <laughs> incorrect. Uh, Constantine Zephyriatus. <laughs> Zephyriatus. Zephyriatus. I'm going to edit that.